Rutgers legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of Tactical Tuesday. Today, my student John and I are going to cover some online cash game poker strategy, some ridiculous rivers that John and another private coaching student have dealt with in recent memory. John, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Brad. How's it going? It's going very well. Going very well. Excited to get back into doing some hands again. Feels like yeah. it's been- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the actual tactical side of Tactical Tuesday. I'm excited to dive in as well and break down some hands. Would you like to start us out by describing the first hand in question? Sure. So this first hand starts out with the hero, uh, another student in uh, another one of Brad's private coaching students in the big blind. It's actually uh, it's actually one of Thomas's private oh, students. Excuse me. Sorry. Didn't know uh whose student it was. Okay, so one of Thomas's students in the big blind. So the cutoff opens to two and a half big blinds. Cutoff appears to be a reg from everything we can see. His, his open sizing looks to be pretty good. He's uh got 114 big blinds on his stack, which is going to be the effective stack for this hand. Um the hero calls or defends from the big blind with King Jack offsuit. Um I think everything Pre-flop, pre-flop looks pretty good so far. Uh, the flop comes Jack, 8, 4, Rainbow. Um, the hero in the big blind checks. Uh, assume we're going to be checking range here. And the cutoff C-bets for uh, about a third pot, 1.7 big blinds into about 5.3 big blinds. And yeah, I guess that's sort of our first decision point. So folding is off the table with our top pair second kicker mm-hmm. the real question is you know should we be raising here or should we be calling here i think you can go either way i'm probably inclined to raise here a fair amount with my king jacks just because we can get called by much worse and turns are going to kind of be tricky to play i think that calling the flop and leading the turn is also another viable option so Basically, it's kind of hard to go wrong here unless you just outright fold, which should never really be a viable option for anybody. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with I'm on board with what uh, our hero did here, which is just uh, to just call instead of raise. I think you can definitely start mixing in some raises with top pair versus um, these one third pot c bets. Generally, I, I tend to do those with top pairs that are. Um, a little bit more vulnerable and need a, need more protection. So generally like top pairs that are um, like 10 or smaller. That being said, I think it's totally fine to simplify your strategy into having no raises here with top pair and, and um, simplifying to having a just call strategy with your top pairs. I actually think that that is probably what I would recommend to um, someone playing 25 and L and, and probably the line that will result in um like our hero making the fewest number of mistakes and, you know, in uh, kind of related to that, it, 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 in my opinion, it's the easiest line to execute. I agree. 
I agree. And with that said, we do call the flop and the turn is the king of spades. So the board is king of spades, jack of hearts, eight of spades, four of diamonds, our hero checks. The cutoff bets 12 big blinds into about nine. So they choose to overbet the turn. What do you think of this spot, John? Um, pretty surprised to see someone overbetting, like finding turn overbets at 25 NL. Um, actually pretty impressed by assuming that this is a competent reg and, and he sort of knows what he's doing on the turn and isn't just overbetting only value. Um, I'm sort of impressed that someone at these stakes uh, kind of found this or, or has this overbet strategy on the turn. Um, I think our hand is just too good to fold that being said, like they could presumably be overbetting um, worse hands for value. I think pocket aces make sense. I think maybe a hand like ace king um, can overbet here. Um, also think that part of the reason our hand is just too good to fold is that it's pretty easy to find some pretty natural bluffs to overbet here. I think hands like queen 10 um, turn spade draws, uh, which the king of spades did bring in um, a hand like ace 10, um, I think are, are all pretty easy to find overbets with. So uh, I think there are tons of bluffs available to our opponent and also could be value betting a, a worse hand. So um, not too much of a decision here in my opinion, but to just click call again. So no thoughts of raising with our top two pair here on the turn. Yeah. I don't think I want to be doing too much raising um, into a, into a range, uh, into a polarized range. Um, maybe there could be some, some justification for raising here considering that a lot of our opponents bluffs are going to have equity versus um even our top two like their spade draws and and gut shots and stuff but i I think it's actually just better to um continue to let those hands barrel river if they if they are going to raise and and making sure that we're not just raising into um the nuts uh with our top two considering that we're probably just gonna have to stack off if if we raise and get jammed on yeah, I think if you raise and get jammed on, man, it, it it's almost like we should just be folding our top two. Right, right. But we're not. So <laughs> <laughs> I I'm with you. I I don't think raising I don't think I love raising the turn with our top two here facing an overbet. I would probably start raising a hand like eights or pocket fours if I didn't raise those on the flop but you know we missed one hand that i think villain can have fairly frequently here uh ace queen all the combos of ace queen that turn a gut shot to a broadway and have decent blocker potential with all that said uh, i think that just calling and giving villain the option to bluff once again with their lower equity type hands on various river runouts is my preferred method of continuing so with that said our hero ends up calling the turn with top two pair there's 33 big blinds in the pot and we get a very interesting river card it is the queen of diamonds so the board is king of spades jack of hearts eight of spades four of diamonds the queen of diamonds so, John, give me your thoughts when the Queen of Diamonds rolls off here on the river. Uh, this is definitely not one of the rivers that um, I was I was hoping for. 
this card definitely completes a lot of potential bluffs that um, the cutoff could be barreling with. I think one of the most obvious ones are going to be um, hands like 9-10 or ace-10. Other than that, though, I don't think that the queen is as uh, maybe as scary as um, some of the conversation, at least in the in the Slack channel, made it seem like. Like, I don't think the cutoff is is overbetting king queen on the turn or queen, or I mean, I guess queen jack doesn't matter. But I don't think that the cutoff is overbetting him like king queen on the turn or pocket queens. So I'm not too concerned about being beat that way. I'd mostly be concerned that some of my some of the cutoffs um, semi bluffs with their straight draws on the flop and turn got there. I would just be looking to check call this uh, river, con- assuming the cutoff bets a uh, somewhat reasonable amount on the river. Yeah, I-, I think that's just sort of my analysis, is that the queen isn't too scary from like a two-pair or set standpoint. It's a little bit more scary from a, um, a straight getting their standpoint uh, for me. The queen introduces some problematic things. Like we said, you know, or like you said, it it completes nine ten. It completes ace ten, and that's fairly problematic in that some of the some of the draws that villain could be overbetting the turn with are now completed. Another thing that it does is it gives queen ten and ace queen both pairs, which makes me feel like rivers going to go check check very 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 often. I find it hard to even. If we check call, like if villain bets three fourths pot, what are you hoping to see here with your two pair? Like aces or ace king, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's that's the value that we beat. We beat yeah. ace king and we beat aces. Yeah. However, does aces or ace king bet seventy five percent on this runout? Uh, it's just going to be so villain dependent. I mean, do 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 you bet seventy five percent on the river with aces or ace king on this runout? I do not. Uh, it seems a little thin, right? Yeah, it's it feels a lot thin, especially after we go over bet on the turn. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean, when I looked at the hand, my first instinct, my intuition was to lead the river, um, and to lead the river. I think there are two paths. There's one-third, the one-third sizing here when we lead the river, and then the two-thirds sizing. I flip-flop back and forth into which one I prefer. The reason that I like one-third is because I feel like it gets called much lighter. The reason why I like two-thirds is because I don't think villain attempts to... The reason I prefer two-thirds is because it doesn't induce as many bluffs as one-third might with some like ace-deuce, ace-three of spades, ace-five of spades type hand. I think that our hand specifically here doesn't really want to do any raise induction. So I'm not sure. Maybe half pot. (laughs) Maybe just go right in the middle, one-third, two-thirds, half pot. Uh, I don't know, but I do want to lead this river. And the reason that I want to lead the river is because I think what you said about ace king and aces being too thin to value bet. I think that's absolutely true. And when we face big river bets here, I don't think we get to win. I think we just lose every time. Like I feel like if we check and villain bet 75% pot, we ought to just be check folding with our two pair. Yeah. You don't think they're going to have enough like hands, like ace, deuce of spades that you just said that they 
over mid turn and find a bluff on the river? Not for 75% plot. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I don't know if they do or if they don't, but that queen should be scary as hell for them. Yeah. Like the best hand, you know, the hand that they're hoping that we have on the turn when we call is king queen. And the queen, it just, (laughs) it's not a good card for them to just kind of keep going ham with their ace, deuce of spades. So I don't know that they do. I don't know that they follow up uh, the turn over bet with the river bet with a busted nut flush draw on this specific runout. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I just check fold if we face a large river bet and we, we decide to check, which I think that that path is harder to execute um, in real time specifically. I think leading river and folding to a raise is a lot easier to execute in real time, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And... That was sort of the feedback that I gave our hero when I reviewed this hand and we didn't know the results when, or I didn't know the result of the hand whenever, whenever we reviewed it. And so what happened in actuality was our hero checked the cutoff check back and our hero wins against ace king offsuit, which I think is fairly, fairly predictable result. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, so your leading your river leading strategy makes sense if we think that they're going to be checking back hands that, or if they're not going to be going for super thin with hands like um, ace king and aces. Uh, just strategically, like on the surface, what sort of makes me uncomfortable is like we we called an overbet on the turn, and then we're gonna we're gonna lead the river. That that I don't know. It it seems like the overbet on the turn is like okay, we're very polarized, very strong hands and very weak hands. Do you really want to lead? into that range on the river and just like presumably uh you're just getting folds from their bluffs and getting called by by their good hands um that sort of makes me uncomfortable i I know it sort of changes when we can start getting called by good hands that are worse than ours like ace king and aces but yeah i I probably wouldn't have found the river lead uh in real time either um mostly because i I would have been like i would have just thought to myself well i can't lead the river once i call it over but on the turn well we do beat some of the top end of their polarized range. Like we, like you said, we beat ace king and aces and that's a fairly important point as it relates to potentially leading the river here. And also like, if we want to really think about it, like I I think we do have ace 10 of spades, nine 10 of spades, those type of hands that that could also lead the river. So we're fairly protected. I don't imagine villain's going to be going insane with too many bluffs here, which makes me pretty confident that we can just lead the river. We can bet fold, we of course don't have any bluffs here with a river lead either, which probably is not not a great thing. But I'm less concerned about that and more concerned with just maximizing value here against somebody that I feel is likely to check back the hands that will call our bet, but will not you know won't bet themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty cool. I I, I would not have I would not have even thought about leading river um, if I just kind of if i was just looking at the sand by myself but um especially once especially once we see what the cutoff had at showdown um that i think that really starts uh leading river definitely starts to make a lot of sense and for what it's worth i didn't know what the villain had at showdown before (laughs) i gave my input so at least there is some validation there that that i i think gives there's some validation there that that i think um speaks to the river lead as being a a pretty decent exploit to find. Yeah. Yeah. 
And after the break here, we're going to break down a hand that John played. And I have very little idea of what to do. It is perplexing, confusing. And if you like thinking so hard that it makes your head hurt, stick around after the break. Look, I totally get it. You feel like being a lone wolf in your poker journey has hamstrung your ability to realize your full potential. So I'm about to give you a golden opportunity to plug into a supportive tribe that will be the poker family you've always wished you had. How much money would you give for one hour of interactive group coaching led by myself, Coach Thomas, and occasionally past guests of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast? For now, and this will absolutely change at some point in the near future, the price of admission to the Live Poker Power Hour is 100% free. All you've got to do to get your invite is head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com and hop on the VIP newsletter. No more excuses, no more procrastination. It's time to take action and put yourself in position to turn your poker dreams into reality. I hope to see that beautiful face of yours in just a couple of days. Welcome back from the break. And before we dive into hand number two, I would like to put in a little plug for Fish in a Barrel. It is the course that Coach Thomas and I made based on mass data analysis, powerful sea betting strategies on the flop versus fish, both in position and out of position. That's going to relaunch this upcoming Saturday and it launches about once a month. It's also a little bit different than preflop bootcamp in that I believe you can buy it at any point in the month, get the strategies and take the quizzes on your own and learn the strategies on your own. I don't think it's as hands on and as immersive and intense as preflop bootcamp. So if you would like to learn Perfect sea betting strategies versus fish on the flop. Check out fish in a barrel. John, let's look at hand numero dos. All right. So this is a pretty tough one. Um, the hand starts with the middle position player uh, who is very clearly a reg um, opening to $30 at 510 no limit. Uh, again, this is six max cash on, on ignition. I'm in the big blind with ace of diamonds, king of hearts, ace, king offsuit. I guess the first thing that I should mention is that uh, this hand is played at 300 big blinds effective. And at that stack depth, I am going to be looking to do a lot more flatting with ace, king offsuit than um, three betting. So how come? um, I think at that step, at that depth, especially out of position, I mostly want to be three betting hands that, are capable of making really strong hands. Um, Ace, king, offsuit, most of the time is going to um, end up with one pair on the river. Um, and I think at the reason I want to be able to be building big pot, bigger pots with hands that can make strong hands, um, for example, I would probably rather three bet a hand like five, four suited than ace, king, offsuit, um, 300 big blinds deep, um, so that at least I can make like flushes and straights and be able to value bet them comfortably. I don't expect the middle position player to be folding very often at the stack depth again when I do three bets. So they can just make my life really difficult with, you know, 
maybe almost their entire, close to their entire opening range. Um, and versus someone that's going to be doing that, I want to be able to show up on the river with um, stronger heads than one pair. One could make the argument that if they're never folding, that just three betting with a hand that dominates a lot of the hands that they never fold is probably not the worst way to start. But I certainly understand the reasoning and the rationale to not three betting asking offsuit here. So we're not going to, we're not going to, I'm not going to get sticky on this point because there's another point that gets way, way stickier here in a few moments. So you flat the ace king off. We see a flop of ace of clubs, 10 of hearts, tray of clubs. Again, we have ace king. We don't have the king of clubs. We check. Our opponent goes ahead and bets one third. I think this is a pretty easy slam dunk call here, but I will throw it back to you. Yeah. Um, so middle position, C bets for $21 into 65. Completely unsurprising. I think you should be C betting this board with range probably for this size. Don't think that I'm going to have any check raises versus middle position, because, again, because of stack depth. If this was just a normal 100 big blind hand, I would have no problem check raising hands like ace 10 or pocket threes and just stacking off with them on the flop. I think at 100 big blinds, that is can't be uh, that big of a mistake, even you know, even if you you know end up getting coolered. But I think at 300 big blinds deep, I have to be a little bit more careful about the hands that I start um, being comfortable building big pots and, and potentially stacking off with. And I think that's sort of... That that's sort of similar logic that carries over from preflop about why I flatted ace king suited or ace king offsuit instead of three betting. Um, I'm just going to be probably flatting my entire range versus one third on this on this board. It's interesting, you know, when you play live poker and you buy in like a thousand big blinds deep, and you think that like, oh, we're so deep that like now we're just going to play some massive pots. And what's funny is just how defensive you get when you're playing thousand big blinds deep in this case 300 big blinds deep like if you were 100 big blinds deep the pot would be much larger at this point we would have three bet pre-flop you know we'd be c betting this flop like the money would just be getting in 100 percent. now we're taking a more defensive approach which i think makes a lot of sense and you know if you're not raising with ace 10 or trays you also don't get to raise with like four or five of clubs right one of the hands that you would have uh potentially three bet preflop like you, you don't get to check raise with queen jack of clubs or any of the any of the flush draws that you might have and i think that's a just an interesting part of this hand is that if you're not raising with your sets in your top two pair then you you really just have a pure flatting range here on the flop yeah and then this theme will carry over to every street pretty much so i, I guess i'm pretty glad that we started talking about it um preflop Sure. So let's, we call and now let's see what happens on the turn. So the turn is the 10 of spades. The board is now ace, three, 10, 10 with a club flush draw, the ace and three of clubs. Again, I think that I should be checking my entire range um, on this turn. I think um, just to talk about how this would be different at hundred big blinds, I would do a lot of leading with my 10 X on this turn, similar logic on the flop. Uh, I think at 100 big blinds, leading and getting stacked when you have 10x here is uh, not that big of a mistake. But having that happen to you at 300 big blinds starts becoming much more questionable. I also think that at this stack depth, especially versus a competent opponent, which I um, 
which it clearly looks like the middle position player is um, in this hand. I think that leading your 10x can get a little bit dicey if your opponent is capable of just saying like, hey, I have all the aces here. You never have aces. Like, screw you. I'm just going to raise and jam the river and you're going to have to figure it out. I would be a little bit more scared of that happening versus a a, a good reg. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> Playing deep stack poker against a good opponent when you're out of position is just a very tricky and difficult proposition. And I don't know that I would lead many 10Xs here or my boats on this specific turn for some of the reasons that you just said. At, at this depth, I, I, I'm afraid of... from this. At this depth, I'm concerned villain's going to play very well versus a turn lead. And again, they, they still know that like, you know, they've got the nut full houses and we don't. And yeah, it's tough. So I'm probably just checking range here on the turn, even if I have trays full, even if I have a hand like King 10, just checking to the preflop razor. We've got this now one massive $107 pot here where we're taking a defensive posture with like all of our full houses and, <laughs> just totally <laughs> scared out of our mind that this reg is going to somehow own our soul with top pair, top kicker in a spot where we probably shouldn't even have top pair, top kicker. Or the perception is we're not going to have top pair, top kicker a ton of the time. And uh, yeah, you, it's just very, very easy to see how defensive we become in spots like this at this depth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost comical actually that there's only 10 big blinds in the pot uh, on the turn uh, at this point in the hand, but here we are. Um, so yeah, ace three, 10, 10, four. I checked the turn. The villain bets $77 into 107. Again, not too surprising of a sizing. I think he can do this with some strong draws, with some boats, and don't know how often he does this with naked ace X, but um, I think on the turn, uh, when the 10 pairs, he's probably going to be doing a lot of um, big betting and checking. Um, so not too surprised to see this uh, see this size. Yeah, me neither. And it's a pretty easy call. Like, Villain has natural bluffs here. We beat some of Villain's value that he might bet. I mean, for the love of God, there's only 10 big blinds in the pot at this point. Like, <laughs> we never raising, uh, pure calling. So we do... And then we head to a river. There's $262 in the pot. The river is a five of hearts, which is an effective blank. We go ahead and check it to the preflop razor, hoping against hope for a smallish bet. I think that if I had to imagine you're hoping for a small bet, that's pretty manageable here on the river. But I'll ask you what were you what were you hoping for before you saw villains river sizing? Um, yeah, so I'm obviously hoping for a size where the villain could be value betting a hand like ace queen or ace jack, so something in the vicinity of two thirds to three quarters. Um, to be a hundred percent honest, I wouldn't be too disappointed if you just checked <laughs> check back the river. That's sort of how scared uh how scared i am but um yeah I, i'm very much hoping that he's just going to value bet ace jack and ace queen and i'm going to be able to snap him off with um probably a, a, a hand that's slightly stronger than what he expects me to get to the river with most of the time and i i think like this is a part of the puzzle that is very interesting to talk about is like this is why we don't check raise the turn with our 10x or our, our pocket trays because when we check call the turn here 
we don't want to leave ourselves capped facing an aggressive villain that can just basically own our soul with a lot of large river bets. Like we want to have a range that's able to call when villain chooses some really big bets on the river. And if we always raise our boats and we always raise our good 10 X, then that just means that when we take this line of like check, call, check, call, well, we just always have like ace X's in our range. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Just getting to the river. Um, this is something that coach Thomas uh, brought up when I posted this hand in the Slack group is just that the importance of getting to this river with a very protected range, just so that thinking opponents can't totally destroy us with massive river overbets because we never get here with pocket threes or 10 X or ACE 10. Um, that was the biggest takeaway for me from this hand actually was that short discussion I had with Thomas about kind of how high up ACE King should be in my range uh, when I get to the river in this manner. I agree. And I think for the listener, that'll be the major takeaway here because what happens next is a very weird thing. Your opponent chooses to bet 675 here into 261, basically ruining your entire life on this planet with this sizing. <laughs> what was going through your mind when Villain shows up with this river sizing? This The sizing is just, I mean, this is great river sizing from the Villain, I think. Probably the size that I'm like rooting, like hoping for the least, and and I think that's that's a little bit of a tangent, but like that's sort of a, a good indicator that you're playing against like tough opponents or or like good competition is that when you're in a spot and you're like you're thinking like wow I really hope this guy doesn't bet this size because that would be really hard to play against, and then they bet exactly that size. Um, I think is a pretty good indicator that you're you're playing against someone that's uh, probably pretty good. Yeah, this size is really tough for me to combat. In game, I can tell you that my thoughts were that I thought that Ace King was probably one of the best hands that I get to the river with. Um, now I know that that shouldn't be true, that I should, you know, be getting to the river with lots of boats and trips. Um, but I thought that in game, Ace King was probably one of the best hands that I get to the river with. And it's good that I don't have a club. And I honestly don't expect, I don't expect middle position to be bluffing this river, I think, at the optimal frequency. It's probably lower than what lower than what a solver would advocate for so maybe that should be you know that alone should could make me um comfortable enough to just fold a hand like ace king that plus knowing the fact that i get to the river with better hands than this um the problem is like are they actually better or are they just perceived to be better than ace king like i i can make the argument that like jack 10 here is relatively weaker than ace king interesting I, because because the thing is like how, how often do we expect 10x to take this line like yeah yeah, I yeah. Think king 10 king 10 yeah. is like the best one that takes this line i right? i almost like, don't think that king 10 does i i would argue that king 10 does not take this line i feel like once mp bets this size on the river he's saying he has a boat it's like i have a boat or absolutely nothing it's ace 10 or aces and like once in a blue moon pocket tens i guess i i i'm gonna say that i that this villain doesn't pick this size with a hand like King 10 or any other 10 X. Um, I think it's pretty likely. Uh, I don't know. I mean, basically like I looked at the combos and gave villain, I gave villain eight to 11 combos. Uh, there's only four ACE 10 offsuits. Shockingly at this point, there's zero ACE 10 suited one combo of aces, one combo of tens, potentially three combos of pocket trays. And then I did give him, Two co- uh, the two combos, the king of 
king 10 of diamonds and the king 10 of clubs yep. that I, I think might be possible so eight to 11 bluff combos or uh value combos we we need to find five bluff combos that's it like if we find five bluff combos we get to call the river and the deal is like i think that villains are going to be i think it's going to be across the board here like some guys may find a lot more bluffs than they really should some guys might find zero bluffs than they should and it's a very very (laughs) tricky situation where you may just call here and lose every single time no matter what you try to do yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there 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 probably are just like one archetype of reg that's gonna blast every flush draw on the river, and maybe one archetype of reg that just never never blasts their flush draws for this size. Um, there's there's so many questions here because like villain typed in this bet sizing, right? Like it's six seventy five on the on all the other other streets. It, there's like pennies behind, so they're probably just clicking a button that gives them the right sizing. Here they they purposefully type in six seventy five and. One thing that concerns me is is 675 a more efficient river sizing than say 525, right? Like is two and a half X more efficient than two X? Does it fold out any extra hands that villain is looking to fold out here? I'm not sure. It feels like at some point there's diminishing returns. And if villain believes that there are diminishing returns, the larger the sizing gets, then obviously when they choose 2.5x instead of 2x, they're just a lot more value heavy. It's an indicator that they're being greedy. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that could be that could be something that's uh that I should be thinking about in the future for sure. I don't know if I would ever if I would ever have like the presence of mind to go through that thought process in game when I'm facing a, a 2.5x river overbet. Um, but I, I can definitely try. I, I think you should like, and and I think that like it's not always this extreme. I think that like sometimes it's like seventy five percent pot, sometimes it's like one thirty percent or one seventy five percent. Like I think that there there's are these situations do come up, and it's important to kind of think to ourselves like, is villains bet sizing here on the river inefficient in any way? Would they choose a different massive sizing with their bluffs? I don't know. I I don't have the answers here when I read the hand and I thought about the hand, my initial reaction was to click the call button because I just click the call button all the time. However, now that we've discussed this and really thought about it, I'm feeling less happy about clicking the call button than I was before the beginning of this conversation. And, you know, when I said that like ace King here, I, I feel like is relatively stronger than 10 X. The reason is that, there's only one combo of aces left and (laughs) aces is like the most obvious hand that takes this line because Mm -hmm. aces doesn't block 10 X. So, and they block all the aces, which means when we call the turn bet, we're going to have a ton of 10 X's in our range here. And I think that like aces is the, the number one hand that I'm most afraid of. I'm not really afraid of quads. I don't think that quads uses this sizing just because we can't have 10 X. Now we're, capped at like asex and does does <laughs> i want to say does asex call this massive bet but now we know that it does call this massive bet but yeah like i think that the natural value hand that villain finds is aces and having an ace here is so so brutal for us i see okay so that's like that sort of feeds into your um 
kind of previous assertion about Ace King being better than Jack Ten. Yeah, yeah, that that was what I meant by that. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because Aces doesn't block Ten X, and they block all the Aces, so it's like, yeah. okay, yeah. But now now we just get to go max value here. Right, right, and then and from my like opponent's perspective, I think if he has Aces, it'll just look like okay, like me in the big blind either has a flush draw that called twice and is going to fold to any bet or has a lot of 10x that is going to call pretty much any size on the river so might as well just target that 10x region and and not worry too much about trying to get like finish value from some other portion of my range that doesn't really exist yeah it's brutal um it's a brutal spot for you and kudos to the villain in this situation if you're out there listening to this hand villain very well done yeah seriously (laughs) our hero i just said what you did you you do find the call on the river and what what did villain show up with i don't know if i spoiled that part of this hand yet i don't think you did so i do call the 675 on the river because like brad i can't fold and the middle the villain in middle position shows us the pocket aces so i guess i'm happy i didn't three bet pre-flow (laughs) (laughs) the final combo of the pocket aces hilariously enough again if you were 100 big blinds deep here you just get stacked here 100 percent of the time in this case you're playing a lot deeper and you actually saved about 20 big blinds so congratulations yeah yeah how exciting (laughs) (laughs) there was a hand that, that we broke down a few weeks ago where we didn't say the the ending of the hand that one of my private coaching students played, and I would like to, I would like to give that answer now. Yeah, so that was a hand that, um, well, yes, I won't say his name, but that was a hand where uh, the student was thinking about whether to bluff river or not, and I think we both of us in the tactical Tuesday decided that we would uh, both probably bluff the river in that situation. Absolutely. Here it is. As a little refresher, we'll just go through this really, really quick. The flop was king, nine, five, two hearts. Hero bet, villain called. We have the ace, ten of hearts, I believe. Yep. So we flop a flush draw. We flop nut flush draw. We bet out four ways. Turns to jack of clubs. Big blind checks. We bet two-thirds pot. The big blind calls. And now the river pairs the jack. Big blind checks. And the question was, do we give up or bluff? Me and John both. Highly advocated to bluff. <laughs> Hero in this hand ultimately did not bluff. They checked it back and lost to Ace Nine, which has to be a devastating <laughs> hand to see it showdown that somehow manages to call the flop in the turn. Like the flop is probably a fold with Ace Nine, the turn is certainly a fold with Ace Nine. And I understand why our hero checked back, but this is why we bluffed the river. Like we we don't have a ton of natural bluffs. Our busted gut shot and nut flush draw is one of our better hands to bluff with. And yeah, slam dunk, slam dunk decision, but a very valuable lesson that the student learned when the opponent showed up with third pair at the end of the day. And that's gonna wrap up this episode of Tactical Tuesday, John. If you have any final thoughts, now's the time. No, I don't. I don't think I have any anything to add. Yeah, just uh, spend a day recovering from Dylan's <laughs> nutful house, and uh, we'll be back at it next week. So, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you have yet to subscribe to the show, please take a second to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. For more content from me, Coach Brad, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash enhance your edge, and I'll see you next time.